1: Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you can let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast. A podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Looking at the principles of play, so... Straight in, you know, what what are some of the kind of key points that you can kind of say that were most useful for you to think about beyond session one and session two for those that weren't quite there? And then following that, where does your mind take you straight away around this?
2: Well, first of all, I think starting with a, a clear idea of how you want to play. So you've got an identity because once you've got that, you can almost think about there's so many layers to it, of course. But at least you can start to then hone in on. All right, well, how do I want my teams to look? How do we want to play? And then what does that look like uh, when, once the ball's moving? You know. And then some of the other key messages we talked about is how it influences your coaching and your coaching environment. So the practices that you're designing, and are you designing environments that are really based on the players in front of you? So again, if it's you know we've talked about this before, and especially for the B license as well, but every level. It all comes back to who's in front of us. So, you know, everything we're doing, does it relate to what their needs are and where they need to go to in their in their journey? And then in terms of the principles of play, I think this is something that I'm really excited about because there's no right or wrong. You know, I, I've been on courses where people have said, oh, that's not a principle. Well, who's to say that isn't? You know, the, the, the principles of play don't change. They exist in every game. There's constants and there's variables. So, for me, the contents of the game don't change because the game is directional. We attack one end and we defend the other. There's, there's All players are contesting possession. So, there's a constant contest after one ball and we're looking to score more goals than the opposition. And In doing so, we have to go into the opponent's half. It's that simple. So, in order to do that, you're gonna to have to find ways to to play forward, you're gonna to have to find ways to beat their press, or whatever their strategy is, whatever their defensive structure is, whether they're dropping off and they're compact, or whether they're um, you know, trying to play press you and you're trying to play through their press or over or around, whether you're trying to attract to a, to to disguise and and uh, and play on the other side of the field. There's so many ways, right? So I think these things won't change. The, the principles are the principles. You can label it whatever you want. And it's funny, I'm actually flying out to Arizona now for an MLS uh, fest. And um, I'm already pretty impressed with, with what I've seen so far. And uh, I'm, I'm in a presentation tomorrow with Austin FC. So they've got their principles of, of how they work their game model and how they train their game. And some are similar to some of the terminologies that me and you might use, the as and others listening. And some are completely different. Some are like really simple, um, and some are are more complex. And it just made me think straight away. Like again, it comes back down to what is your idea of the game. And what I quite liked about the MLS was, as part of this workshop, they they gave you a video to watch, and then they said, "All right, you need to identify what principle you you feel is being uh, dominant right now in that particular clip." It it was a twenty second clip. And how would you word it? What would your principles be in possession, out of possession, you know, defensive transition, offensive transition, during restarts, whatever it may be? What what language are you using? Because I think that's where it comes back to you as a coach. And it links back is what's your identity. But before you get to that, you need to have an idea of the game. How do you want your teams to to play? How does it look? You know, because then you could start to go deeper into the the layers and a bit like an onion. You, you're peeling the layers back. And you're going, all right, well, if that's the idea that we wanna play X, whatever that philosophy is or that 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 focus is, then what are the principles that exist in every game? But how you can implement your stamp, your style, because that's gonna ultimately influence how you train the players as well, to 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 reinforce those values. Cause I think everything we do with with trainers, we mentioned in the previous sessions and we're gonna show on the on the webinar is how are you training your principles and your values, your non-negotiables? So that's where I wanted to start first. And, you know, we can probably um, unpack a little bit more in terms of, you know, some examples of that.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good starting point. I think, it's, you know, you just want to start by throwing this one out. It's all straight away, actually. You mentioned, there obviously, that there's different principles. Um, and there's obviously principle plays that are principles of play that the game will contest with. Um are you in agreement well, with me that there is that there is those principles and those are fundamentally what the game is about? Because I know that, I know there's certainly been conversations that I've either been involved in or, or observed in the past where coaches out there don't believe in the idea of there being the principles of playing, I guess, effectively what links to an invasion game, if you like.
2: Yeah, well, it's, and that's it. You've just hit the nail on the head. So it's an invasion sport. So... I think where there's difference and it's okay to be different is that you'll get some people might, you know, the old call used to talk about um, width, depth, support, penetration, innovation. I always remember that in possession and then out of possession when, when relating to you, like you cover your balance, your, your compactness and all this stuff. And then going into layers. Well, it doesn't matter what formation you play. And that's another topic as well. Cause you know, Formations as a start position, and people could argue that, that that those don't necessarily exist as much anyway now because a lot of it is animation. What the players do when they've got the ball, so in animation the shape will change and should change. Um, we just try to put labels on things because so that we can understand and get hold, grab hold of the the structure so we can comprehend it. But really, the game is fluid and dynamic and unpredictable. Um, And I think because of that, you know, those principles to answer your question, they don't change. It doesn't matter what philosophy, whether you want to be more, you know, uh, short combinations to play forward. Or if you're, you know, if you're uh, someone who doesn't mind, you, you, you believe in effective use of possession. So it could be forward early, it could be through, it could be whatever the game demands. If you believe in high pressing, if you believe in dropping off, if you've got different strategies, all that doesn't change because, to answer your question, Yaz, yes, the, the principle will always exist because the game is based on how we invade territory and how we contest that. I think where we've got to be clear is, well, what what terms would you use?
1: You know, so if I
2: look at, like I'll share some of my own examples, I always talked about, you know, in attacking, because our philosophy and our beliefs is that we want to be dominant with the ball and aggressive without the ball, as well as with the ball. We want to play with uh, effective use of possession. We want to be exciting and effective possession-based approach where we're focusing on our collective ability to play in the future. So you're constantly thinking about the what if in order to create and prevent goals. That's it. Simple. One line. With the with a value being on players being able to operate under changing circumstances, because that's the game. You could go 1-0 down. You could... You could have a man sent off. You could whatever. Like the game changes. So uh, moments in the game change. Emotions change. You know, feel is a big word. So I think that's where I would then go, all right, well, if that's my top line, you know, if you take attacking, my principles would typically be breaking lines because then there's different ways you can break a line. You can play through, around or, or over, right? How do we find the free player? How are we creating rotation and balance. I'm a big believer in rotation and balance, so empty and filling. So how players are constantly changing shape um, and finding different ways to move and and switch positions to either run to receive, meaning get on the ball, or run to deceive. So create space for yourself or your teammates. You might be the distraction, but we're always in shape. We've always got balance in case we lose the ball and how we finish, you know. So those would be like an example mine, but ultimately the attacking principle, so if I'm going all over, I'm just thinking about your first question. You said, do you think they exist? Well, yeah, because the attacking principle doesn't change. The what is the best option to go forward and score. That's an attacking principle. But how you do that is the variable. That's where players make decisions. So how you come to that solution ultimately depends on the players. They've got to solve that problem. And I think that's where you've got to be creative, you know. I've I've shared some examples there. I know from the FAW, they're big on um, you know, their their principles are similar breaking lines, uh, play switching play, things like that. You look at Austin's, I'll share this one actually, because I think it's important. Um, it's fresh in my mind. So Austin FC and the MLS, really interesting club. They've they've founded in twenty eighteen. Um, they only launched their academy in twenty nineteen and they've already made an impact on the game they're already developing players and they've been performing you know um their their uh, second team end up winning the the cup and um their academy has obviously had players in the, the youth national teams and things like that so i think it's it's interesting they've had a big spanish influence if you look at their ga- their principles within their game model um their principles of play are for offensive, break lines to progress the ball. Where you might say switch play or switch the point of attack to me, and I might use a similar language, they say start attack on one side, finish on the other. That's one of their offensive principles. And then they have some others which are a little bit more longer worded. So, again, it's like that comes down to me then is the how. But I think the importance is, is that you can have those. And, you know, just done a webinar recently with... Um, with PSV Eindhoven and PSV's is interesting, you know, because uh, you, you look at how they play. Again, another good academy, good good first team to model on, probably one of the most successful teams in Holland. And their main principles, if we take, like, what well, if we focus on attacking, they have it as through, around, or over, which to me is breaking lines. They have dominate 1v1. That's interesting because I don't know if I would turn that as a principle. I would probably look at that as more a player behaviour or a player action. You know what I mean? Like That would be the layers down. Um, turn or bounce, to me, that's a player action. But this is when you're getting into semantics. you know what I mean? So who am I to say that's not a principle? Because that's the principles for a PSV. They have this, re- you know, for regaining possession, they talk about aggressive pressure. And that's it. And then it's the how. So I think... These are constants that exist. The magic is in how how do your players implement those principles, and then that influences how you coach it. Sorry, if that's long winded.
1: No, not at all. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. I think I think um, you know. You, you, let's use that PSV example just to kind of um, touch on really quickly they might have those things and there might be semantics in there because they're referring to them as principles, but fundamentally those are principles of their way of, on how they want to kind of do those things that are principles of the invasion game, if you like, and that, at least that's how I've interpreted it anyway. But the thing that I always say is this, the principles will never change with the invasion game. What will change is how you would like and how your your team and your players choose to demonstrate the principles in their way of playing. So as an example, you, you know, you, if we use penetration or breaking lines, as you, as you said it there, through, away, you know, through, over, or around, those That those are the methods in which you would penetrate or break lines. It's not, I'm not going to play over, I'm not going to play around. Well, no, actually, whatever you decide to do, it's still a form of breaking lines or penetration, right? And I think that's the key piece that needs to kind of really be, be highlighted here, is that the principles themselves will not change. And that doesn't mean that every single player or every single team, every single coach has to apply them in the same way, specifically. But actually... Whatever we're doing, those are the principles of an invasion game and it's up to us fundamentally on how we wish to kind of have those demonstrated through our style of play or the individuality and the creativity of the players that we have in front of us. So I think it's probably worth a point for anyone, you know, because there's gonna be a lot of coaches on this on this call right now and it's fantastic seeing that so many new faces as well. As well as the you know, the repeat loyal listeners that will be at working at different levels, may have a different understanding or, or, or a a partial understanding of what the principles may be. So maybe just worth, you know, unpacking that a little bit and just, you know, talking to that and how you view it and then maybe see if there's any any slight differences at all or whether there's a complete alignment in how I view it and then maybe just start to give some food for thought to some people there. Well, yeah, I think it's a great shout because
2: ultimately it's got to relate to the players you're working with and the environment and the context and then how you frame that is up to you. So, like I've worked... In Morocco, where I'm, I'm influencing the national teams and, and work at that level. So, our principles were a bit more complex, but again, specific to the context we're working with and the players. <clears throat> but in other environments, and I've, like a grassroots level, it's a completely simplified thing. I think, first of all, we've got to decide well, what, what principle, what, is the, what do we mean by a principle? You know, my definition is not to say this is the only definition. Um, you know, you guys who are listening have to come up with what you feel is right and what you agree with, ultimately. The principles for me are a strategy that exists in every game across all moments of the game. So that's their principles because they they, they are fundamental to the game. So that's where then I would look at, all right, if I'm working at a grassroots level or a bridge in between, I'm preparing for the B licence and I'm wanting to move on in my career, it might just be as simple as, how we how we break lines and play forward and finish the attack and that might be it. Find the free player because there's different ways. There's different ways to play forward whether it's the, the long direct one, whether it's that classical ball in behind, whether it's connective passes to play forward to invite the space to exploit in behind unless it's not already there. Um, there's different ways, right? You can switch play, you can so on and so forth. So you can relate this then to those actions that you would then want to train um, and design questions for your training sessions. You know, I like to keep things really simple, believe it or not. So for the defending transition, I always think about, will stop forward passes. And that could be something that you guys, people adopt, even at any level, whether it's academy or whatever, listening. Because, you know, typically when you've lost the ball, You know, at least, in again, it comes back to your idea of how you want to play. With teams that I'm coaching and and the environment I'm in now, we talk about as soon as we get the ball, can we play forward? We always say you've one of our principles in that attacking transition is securing the first pass, but we want to play forward early. You know, and we literally will be like, look forward, play, play, play forward. Because the back pass will obviously invite pressure. And especially if you've just regained it, you've just won it. You know, if they are then passing it backwards or somewhere else, it's not to say that's a bad pass because it sometimes that's okay, um, but more likely you, you could potentially risk losing it again. So again, it's thinking about well, what level are you working at? So if you're working with um, grassroots players or any players, that might be a good strategy potentially. Is hey, can we just get can we look to play forward because at least we can get them on the back foot and 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 play those forward passes and and put pressure on them that way. So on the flip side of that. I would always say, well, in defensive transition, whoever's nearest to the ball, can we stop forward passes? Can we stop them? And then you're going into, you know, are you delaying, are you denying? And uh, how are you recovering to shape and things like that? And and getting behind the ball. So then you're going into more layers. So I think, you know, to answer your question, it's the principle has to relate to the moments in the game that you're seeing. And it, creates a clear idea in the mind of the players because you can then identify moments within those actions and say, look, here's an example of our principle. Or if you use a, a reference to certain levels of the game, you might say, here's a good example of um, this player playing forward. Look how he's stopped passes or that dribble has broken a line and they've split the defence. Or look at how um, immediately after losing the ball, defensive transition, they stopped that forward pass so this is good and that can reinforce behaviours principles is just a great way to to view it that way and then it's how you coach it but i do go back to before Yaz, i think there's things that you have to have in place you know so i shared something recently where it was you know what's my theoretical framework which to me is the sort of foundations of how you view the game like what your beliefs are on coaching because that'll have an influence on how you teach It'll have an influence on how you view the game in terms of the the football concepts and how you think the game's played, which will then influence your your sort of playing philosophy, if you like, which then influences your principles and your sub principles, which are the strategies that exist in every game, and then that'll influence your identity and the brand because you know if you look at certain teams, you can always tell you know uh, certain teams just by their identity because of how they dominate the possession or they'll outplay opponents. So I think that's a big part of it as well, is do, do your principles reinforce your brand, your identity? You know, there's a team here that we play a lot, and we can always tell them, you know, because the the way those players dribble and they, they want to try and use certain skills in certain areas and they want to be creative, you can always tell a player, that even if the player's playing for another club, you can tell he's come from that academy or that youth programme. Just by the way he's manipulating the ball, it's it's clear as days, and I think this is a, a big part of it as well. So, do your principles reinforce that that identity, that brand? Um, and one thing I'd want to add, Yaz, as well, is have a think about how can you simplify your principles further into sort of uh, play areas. So moments where, again, if you look at other clubs, they'll talk about. You know, how we build the attack, create the attack, finish the attack, you know, and and then the flip side of that. So it almost is like a roadmap for the players to know, well, if we're in this area of the field, what is the goal? What's the objective? If we're in this area of the field, what's the objective? So, again, it just helps guide the players, you know, into to to achieving that brand, that identity, that, that principle. Um, I've never been a fan of build, create and so forth, only because what's the difference between build and create? You might be getting into semantics, but it is important. You know what? Do you, what's the difference between this and this? They're similar. So I, I then looked at well, build is clearly the construction. So we're we we're, we're, we're the initial start of the attack, which is close to our goal. We're building the attack after we've, or it could be anywhere in and around where we've just regained it. We're looking to build the attack. Simple. But once we've built the attack, can you then dominate the attack? Because often some teams might lose the ball after the initial few passes. So when you've got it, can you dominate the attack? So can we dominate territory in their half? Can we make sure we keep the ball in their half and we're probing and finding? And then, of course, you're finishing the attack. Um, And then on the flip side of that, it's how you prevent the opponent from building their attack, how you're uh, protecting your half. So you're stopping them from dominating you in your territory. Protect the half, protect the goal, protect the space. So again, it just creates a... Uh, a roadmap for players because I'm a big believer in there's, there's two real clear moments. We're either building up and scoring or we're disturbing the opponent's ability to build up and we're trying to regain the ball. You know, there's those moments exist in every game you're either in a <laughs> building up and scoring or you're disturbing and regaining. So then how do you create that simplicity for the players? The reason why I say that is because typically at the B license level, um, you, you're you looking at principles, but then you will have a focus on either an attacking or defending moment and how you're training it. So it's a good way for, and transitions. obviously important, but it just gives people an insight into what to expect, you know, at the B license level. Um, so yeah, and again, this is just a, another reminder that this feeds into a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about on the upcoming webinar um, in the next couple of weeks. And
0: again, whether you've got your B licence or not, it's probably a
1: team and vice versa out of possession you know pressing in the final third in order to prevent penetration so whatever it is to prevent penetration how do you do that or to cause a delay or whatever that looks like and I think those are two two kind of really key messages which have kind of stood me um, well in in terms of my understanding how I apply these things so guess my question to you Nigel obviously you know you talked there about uh, your you know your theoretical framework and obviously giving some examples of different organizations that you work with, but I'm really keen to kind of maybe just delve in a little bit deeper on that and, you know, just share some insights just to really point out and maybe articulate how these are principles, which are kind of fundamentally aligned across the world. Obviously you've had experiences working in the UK, in England, you've had experiences working in, you know, uh, in in North Africa, and you've also now had experiences working in the US. So just, just, I know there's going to be people thinking out there, well, oh, well, this country doesn't do like this, or this country doesn't do like that. And that can often be where the semantics maybe cause some confusion and question the alignment of what the game is actually asking teams to do. Yeah, and I, I just want to
2: add, like, the, the point you said earlier, I loved it because you're right. Like, I, I remember one of the mad memory I had. I got a flashback of watching uh, Man United. Under twenty ones, with my dad in uh, one of the stadiums, and uh, it's free entry, so you can go in and watch. And it was just we just happened to be there. I can't remember who they were playing, and my dad—he's not a football guy per se. He's obviously watched football his life, and he was getting frustrated. He's like one of those supporters in the crowd. He's like, "God, all they're doing is passing the ball backwards; they never go forwards." You know, so it just—it just made me laugh when he said that because I had that little flashback. But I do like the point around finish what is the objective so everything we do can there be an objective to finish Um, there's got to be something there's got to be a a goal at the end of it Um, so I love that because that's a key takeaway that I've had even recently in my own coaching where even if I'm working on a how we break lines as a as a principle and we're going after that I'm always making sure there's certain goals in certain areas because I'm still recognizing, well, where are they at in their journey? So, like in the US, they're very big on we want to develop these qualities in players. We want to develop their scanning ability, their ability to dribble, their ability to finish and score and, and combine short combinations. So, even though you might be working on a defending topic, or, you know, I did a session the other day and it was mainly working on a mid block defensive principles of, of reducing space between lines, both vertically and horizontally. And just being really compact, really narrow and not defending any wider than around 34 yards in in width and short in in depth. And just being difficult to play through, forcing the opposition around. I was working on defensive principle, but throughout each activity within the session, there was opportunities to dribble, to break out, to combine, to score in little counter goals or run into an end zone or whatever it may be. So they're still getting repetitions of the other stuff. Um, so there's always an objective to it. When we get the ball, what happens next? So I love that because that's something I've I've seen uh, done really well in other countries um, as I've travelled. I, I think you've got to have a joined up approach. So the reason why I say you know that theoretical framework and the pedagogical concepts as well as the football concepts is because often coaches will say, as an example. Oh look at that! You know, in training, well done, well done. You know, when the kid's dribbling and he's beaten a player and he's used his body shape and he's rolled him after receiving from the keeper in a tight area inside the pen, inside the box, and he's twisted and turned and and dribbled out and then combined. The coach has praised that in practice, but then on the Saturday, when the lad plays that ball, whoa, 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 not there! (laughs) You know, get the ball for whoa. So now, for me, then that's a conflict because if if you're not having the players play, you know, it's that question of would you be happy if they did that on a Saturday, you know? So to me, it's if you're praising something on Tuesday practice, that has to be the same. Otherwise, it's confusing for the players. He's saying I can't dribble in these areas. He's saying we don't do that. So it's it's got to relate to that. Now, maybe that's an extreme example, but the point I'm making is. I'm very much, and I know you are as well, I've got this belief around personalised experiences. So who's the individual in front of us? How are we creating environments that tap into their their talent? Um, and I'm big on the game is un, un, uh, un, like unpredictable. It's forever changing. It's dynamic. It's random. So because of that, we've got to develop players in environments that involve that pressure. It's representative then. So there's got to be chains. There's got to be varied uh, scoring systems. There's got to be varied entry points. So I'll design practices where the ball might restart from this area, but it can come also from another area. Um, I love watching a session the other day uh, in the States. It was with uh, a guy who's been working out here for 20 odd years. He's at Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls. And he's the 15s coach, English lad, and um, from Stoke. And Honestly, it was brilliant because he had to start where the initial action was the, the the combining to finishing this goal. As soon as that was over, the ball's been played in and those lads, it's almost like the ball, there's been a defensive transition. You've lost the ball, we've got to recover. So then he's reco- they're recovering and sprinting back out of shape. They've got to get back. And then when that attack was dead, one of the other coaches was playing another ball in Yaz and playing a ball into a number nine. And It was like, right, now the ball's starting from here deal with it or a ball starting from a throw and deal with it. So I think that's how other countries are typically you know, doing things. And it, again, it joins up. He's, he's had a lot of influence from the French. He's a big believer in a constraints-led approach. So he'll manipulate constraints. And it's big in the Red Bulls where they'll look at the data and the science and training loads and giving players challenging around time constraints and things like that. So it's no surprise then that that's how they'll coach. But they'll also put rules in place. So they'll say, like, you know, and I've seen this in other sessions, you know, Arsene Wenger used to do it. Arsenal, if we regain the ball here, you've got 12 seconds or less to get a shot on goal in the opponent's half. If we regain the ball here, six seconds or less. So that related to how he wanted to play, their brand. You know, so those are just a couple of examples where it's got to be that joined-up approach. So what's the pedagogy of how you want to teach Um, which is basically meaning the the learning and the performance environment that you create. What do you believe in? And then how does that relate to, or not as the case may be, your sort of idea of football and how you think players make decisions? Or do you think that the coach is the oracle of all knowledge and he has to impart that upon the players otherwise they don't know what they're doing? You know, it comes back to that. And, um, you know, I'd love to get people's insights in the room. I mean, one thing I want to add just lastly is, i think back to you asked me about some other countries i mentioned psv earlier psv have this phrase around outstanding ability so everything goes back to then is what is that player's outstanding ability how can we get that out in the session how can we get how can we allow them to be successful on the pitch with their outstanding ability so how we might change our shape or even adapt certain things, so we, we're achieving our principles to get that player's outstanding ability out. And I think that's interesting because, again, you look at other languages; it's the same thing. But we're talking about super strengths, or we're talking about you know some other areas. If you if you look at um, Arteta, you know we were fortunate we had Arteta present on the CAF Pro uh, in my last role in Morocco, and he was big on um, his the identity and the brand with Arsenal was to build a winning culture and clear identity. That was their overarching theme. But within that, there was a focus on the individual. So how can we make the individual look successful? That's what he said. Because then how that was related to, and it was similar with with other countries, is then their principles are the focus of the individual within that. So you're relating it all back to the players you've got, like the personnel. Um, and again, his was very much around uh things like uh starts and restarts, uh pressing, counter pressing, unbalancing opposition. So th- those were their principles uh within certain moments of the game. So I just think it's fascinating. <laughs> Everything relates back to, you know, the culture in your environment, what do you believe in, you know, and how are you training those things? um you know he cuz the reason why i said that is you you would have arsenal arteta did a good example of this he he then showed okay if this is our principle and we've got this focus around uh, the individual player in this moment how do we train that so then he would create scenarios so it be a high press versus the build up so you've got your main principle but then you've got your counter principles within that to train so um whilst always encouraging their their intentions, because his big thing is you know, um if they've just won the ball after a regame, for example, and you probably notice this in the games with Arsenal, their first intention is forward and diagonal on the weak side. That's their intention, so it's something that's drummed in a lot, so then what he'll do is he'll design the opposition to to attack in a certain way so that they have to defend. You got the counter principle, but then when they've regained it, how do we get that first intention out? And then looking at what key players are we trying to get on the ball to to help us achieve that. So I think that's where it becomes that joined up approach where everything is just is linked. But again, I'd like to get, you know, insights into is this is what's being shared similar to how you guys are working? You know, Tony, is that something that you have done in the past? Paul, from your experience. Is that something you've done or you've seen or some examples you're aware of? Uh, because, again, there's a, there's a lot of good practice going on in other clubs. Yeah, it would be
1: great to hear from those guys as well. A hundred percent. And Just just while you know, people are maybe gathering their thoughts or thinking about some questions, it would be really good to see if there's any coaches on here that have either recently done the UA for B or preparing to do the UA for B and if they've got any specific questions around this and um, just to unpack their understanding, their perception of what we shared, really. And I think just a piece for me as well, you know, you, you keep... and I, I like the fact that you keep using that word brand. Um, the One of the things I always say to coaches is this, you know, maybe not using the word brand specifically, but it's just almost, if I'm walking... You know, the scenario I give them is, if I'm walking down a park now and I see two teams playing, I've got no idea who, who who's who because I've never seen their kits before. But actually, I just look at the way they're playing what would I see from the team that you're coaching to know that actually, oh, that's a, that's a Gerard team. That, they they definitely play like a Gerard team. You know what I mean? And I think just just looking at that, there's some key identity identifications, um, or rather, key variables that I'm going to be looking at per, and traits that I'm going to be picking up on to say, well, what you know, what is a Gerard team essentially? Um, and if you as a coach don't know what that is, then maybe that that might be a good starting point to start thinking about well, how how would you describe? the way in which you want your teams to play it and more specifically if they were doing everything that you wanted them to do in the way that you wanted it done what would that look like and I think if you start looking at it from that lens you start to get a clearer identity that brand that you're talking about Gerard. but also within that you start to understand okay if these are the key traits you can start to question and challenge well how often how often do they occur in my sessions? How often do I factor those into the practices that I deliver? Is there actually sufficient opportunities for the players in my practice to to actually explore those things and train those things that I want to be part of my identity and my brand, if you like? Um, but no, some some great points there from you, Gerard, as well. And I think, again, if anyone's got any questions at this point, it would be fantastic to kind of hear some thoughts, maybe questions, some insights um, around anything that's been discussed or anything you would want to add on top. Um, and just a brief reminder, obviously, this is part of a series of uh, spaces sessions that myself and Gerard have been running in line with a series around preparing for UEFA for B, which fundamentally is going to lead up to a webinar on the 12th of December. Which, obviously, Gerard, you mentioned there. You know, I think whether you've got a UEFA B or not, there's going to be some great insights shared and some real questions to kind of pro- pro- provoke thought and thinking of coaches. Um, so, I don't know if Gerard, if you just want to share a bit of insights around how they can access the CPD off the back of this session in particular, as well, while we wait to see if there's anyone that wants to share their views. Yeah, and I just think it's again like
2: these things. There's there's just so much that we can talk about, isn't there? Because there's a lot of good, different experiences in the room, so everyone will have a different take on it. So I'm excited to hear from people. Um, again, we'll, I'll share a self reflection form at the end of this, which once you fill that in, it's a short questionnaire, and it will basically ask you for either what are your key takeaways. Or something that's still swirling around, or it could be what's really stuck out for you. And um, there's no right or wrong, it's your reflections. All you have to do is put in your name, uh, the Twitter space, the X space that you've attended, which is, example, this one, uh, principles of play, your fan number, if you want to use it to get FA accredited, and then, you know, the, the reflection, and that'll immediately make sure that you're eligible for the, for the one hour CPD. And then, similar with the webinar, you know, when you attend. Um, you'll get two hours CPD. Yaz will forward that communication on to the County FA. Uh, just be patient with it because it normally takes a few weeks for it to to get added if people are using it for CPD purposes in the sense of gaining hours. Um, if you can't make the webinar, I'd still encourage people to sign up because it will be on uh, live on demand. So we'll be able to share the recording with people after so you can watch it and still get access to the to the points. Um and just think of something then, yes, you'll remember John McDermott and Tony Will and people in the room when he was at Tottenham. And there was that phrase, wasn't there? You could always you could always see a Tottenham player. You'd always know a Tottenham player by the way he moved or whatever. And that was his big focus was if you took the shirts off and you took the badge off and you didn't know what team they played for, would you be able to tell a Tottenham player from anyone else? And I love how you know I'm picking on... Uh, I'd love to hear from you, Paul, if you're up for it to come in, but just pick on Paul since he was at Chef United, I know that they've got that big phrase around outrun out, fight out, play. That's almost like a mantra that I remember uh, seeing and hearing, outrun out, fight out, play. So I think, again, that's a brand, isn't it, that you're instilling. You know, Rochdale, where I used to coach, um, and this was clear in, in anyone who knows anything about Key Phil. And his teams at Rochdale, though you won't be able to argue with it that during those days they played great football. Even when Rochdale were playing uh, Pochettino in when he was at Tottenham in the Cup, FA Cup, they're playing and they're moving the ball and they're passing it like nobody's business. You know, it was great. Um, and again, that style was there. But at Rochdale, it was runs to receive, runs to deceive, and runs to retrieve. So that was like the the brand, the non-negotiable. We had our principles of how we build the attack and so forth, but everything was geared around how are you getting on the ball, how are you looking to get it back, or how are you looking to create space or disguise and deceive your intentions for someone else. So those three types of runs would exist in everything we did. And the the key message there is you're running. (laughs) You're coming distance. You're working hard. It's a non-negotiable. And I just think it's fascinating when you look at the – so that was back in the early to mid-2000s. And then if you look at now, uh, with the recent World Cups, both the men and the women, a big statistic coming out of there is offers to receive and offers to deceive in terms of people being able to achieve the principles. So again, just just do for thought, really, for people listening. Um, some good questions here uh, coming through as well. There's one here, uh, what's this? From a grassroots perspective, if we streamline our coaching into a brand and principles based on our own model or ideas, do we not risk stifling the creativity of individual players and overlooking players' strengths for them to fit into? That's an outstanding question. The way I would answer that, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Yaz. Again, Tony, anyone in the room can answer as well, whether you agree or disagree. My initial thinking on that question is, it does depend on how you implement it. If you've got a game model that – and we mentioned this in our previous webinar, didn't we, Yaz – is it fixed or is it flexible? So a phrase I've used a lot, Yaz used a lot, is flexibility within a framework. If it's that, where it's, hey, here's our framework, but um, how you make decisions is down is up to you. These are some ideas, but ultimately you've got to make the decision – and there might be times where we do this, or there might be times where we do this, and we want to be unpredictable. Then I would say, no, you're not stifling creativity. In fact, you're almost the opposite. You're creating a framework where players can find a rule and break it. You know, which is a definition at Google: find a rule and break it. They're, they're coming up with their own answers. If your brand is is is, or you not your brand, your game model if is, is fixed, where it's like I'm a purist, or I believe in this, and that's it. And this ain't changing no matter who we play, what we do, whatever the opposition throws at us. Then yes, I would say you, whether you're working at a grassroots level or elite, you know, I've got to be careful what I say. But there's a coach that um I've worked under, and I won't say what the club, and he's famous for being killed for they always play four-free, three, they don't move, it's fit in or f off. The players have to listen to the coach. He's in charge, and the the identity is we we play this way and we press this way. And that's but the problem is then is they're always predictable. You know what that team you know what to expect when you come. You can set your traps because you know how they're going to play. You know, and he's not changing. He doesn't believe in changing this guy, and that's that's his prerogative. But I think there's some coaches where if it's like that, then potentially yeah. Um, if your idea is more around I want to see the players grow and find solutions. Then no, um, I think it's important you have a brand whether you choose to accept it or not, Riz. Because if I come and watch your team, I'm going to know straight away after I've watched them over a period of time and a number of games. You know, are they organised? Are they not? Are they? You can always tell, Cat. You can tell when you've seen a coach. You're like, well, they're a well organised team. They've got good discipline. They're, they're, they're being creative. They're thinking. Obviously kids will do things differently anyway on different days, but you can normally tell a well coached team or a or a good environment team based on what they're doing. You know, but that'll communicate your brand. If you watch certain teams that I'm, you know, coaches I've got in my mind, you know that they're gonna press the hell out of you. Um sorry if I'm talking forever, but you know, one thing I'd add before we get Tony and Paul in is um Danny Calamatri isn't listening here, but he'll agree with this because he'll tell you himself. When I was at Rayasa, we used to invite, uh, we used to organise friendly games and we used to bring in um, with Steve as well and Danny when he was there, Chef, Chef Wednesday. They used to come in and uh, bring their under 17s in or under 18s and what have you, um, or sometimes U 19s, where there'd be certain age groups where they're like falling in a category and it's tough. They're not getting the minutes. They need to create extra game minutes for the players. And we would play a, a scrimmage against them, a friendlier match. and Every time Wednesday came, they loved it because they'd see something different. So we'd coached against their 18s or whatever. And we obviously, within the club hours was in there at Reyesa, we did zonal marking on corners, but we had all 11 players in the penalty area and in different positions. And the keeper wasn't always in the goal. We had uh, on free kicks, this has always been my thing, I don't defend with a wall on free kicks. I never have. I just don't believe in it. So, any time players would come, they'd go, what the fuck is going on here? There'd be no wall on the direct free kick. The goalie wouldn't even be in the the, the goal. And there'd be different organisation. The player who's taking the shot outside the box has a free shot on goal, people would argue. But they're very rarely scored, if any scored. Um, because I, I would then have players uh, situated in certain positions. I'd have uh, the goalie in a position where he can attack the ball and he's got full vision of the shot. I'd have three players behind him on the goal line uh, near the post, and one in the centre. I'd have a certain, and we use that. So Wednesday used to love it as other clubs because it'd be like, we don't get this. We never, they're not going to see that normally. So they're going to play, and they're going to be like, bloody hell, we've got to think it. And the boys did the first three they, they had. They blazed it over the bar because they didn't know what to do. They've never seen that situation before. Then at half time, Haslam said to the boys fucking play it short and let's drag them out and see what happens and knock it for a shot early. They did that. It was like ping-pong. They couldn't score. They tried to drive it low and hard, couldn't score. So they had to come up with other situations. And then on the corners, you know, do we play short and try and drag them out on the zone? Or who goes short? So now you what you're doing is you're asking questions. And it was good for me because I was in my early 20s. And as a coach, I'm thinking, this is brilliant, you know. Um, uh, sorry for the for, for language, but I was thinking this is great because, um, I'm not, I haven't got all the answers here. So, if Tony's playing against me and he's asked the players to do XYZ, I haven't, I might not have thought about that what if yet. To Yaz's point, I haven't thought about that what if. So now I'm gaining game knowledge of all right, well, if the opposition do this, maybe we have to do this, but I'm letting the players obviously solve those problems as well. So, that was my that was then a brand because then that starts to communicate. If you know you're playing against one of Girard's team, you're going to see things that you're not normally going to see. He's going to be different, you know. So I think there's a balance and ultimately it depends on, um, you know, what you want to stand for as a coach and as a club and as a team. But I don't think there's any harm in, in like the players, you know, being expressive and, and trying things. Because if we all play the game the same way, and we all do this, and we all play out, and we all do this and that, it's just going to be boring to watch. The game should be entertaining. You know, it should be unpredictable. There should be excitement at the end of the match when you go home. And I think that's at every level of the game. So I think that's where, as coaches, we've almost got to think, well, you know, within our principles and our values, where do we want the, the game to go? What do we want it to look like? You know, so just a couple of things for me. I don't know if there's anything you want to add on to that, Yaz, before
1: Tony yeah. and Paul come in. Just a really brief point on the question that was initially put forward. I think um, I think it's important to have that framework and have that that identity, whether grassroots or not. Um, and it's not about stifling creativity necessarily, but it's about having a clear guideline of direction of where you want your players to go. Now, if you set, you know, I'm 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 a, I'm a believer of just setting an outcome rather than a process, um, and if so the players understand what the outcomes are they're going after, then you kind of leave them with some. If you like, you leave them a canvas to you know to be creative and be free, be free on it. Um, so just having that outcome rather than telling them this is specifically how you want it done. But if you want to have a think about, well, what do you what would you like to see on the back end? So would you like to see them penetrate through the wide areas? Would you like to see more combinations through the middle? Um, but obviously attaching that what if and and recognizing that with them, I think allows them to still have that creative piece in there. So. That would just be my two cents on that on that question in, in particular. But um, conscious of time, so Tony, uh, welcome to the stage. Good evening. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks.
0: Um, what a what an absolute joy it is to to see so many new people on here um, and how the the spaces have uh, have built up over the last few weeks. A couple of points. Uh, actually, one on that last little bit that 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 Yaz mentioned there. Interesting, and I'm not saying anything's right or wrong, that uh, you sort of alluded to the sort of outcome focus rather than the process focus, which is uh, quite flipped around for for, for quite a lot of people. A lot of people these days go down that line of, um, you know, follow the process, trust the process, and you'll get the outcome, which as we all know, doesn't always work. but when i sort of sent the request to speak it was off the back of what gerard was saying a little bit earlier on about if if people know how you play or, or what your what your brand is was the, the phrase that you guys were bandying about a little bit um i, I always remember visiting ajax a, a good few years ago and they they always had this um we're going to play 4-3-3 this is what we do and my players are going to be better than yours so you won't be able to break us down anyway that kind of attitude which is great but then as as other clubs do find a way to get around that um then I do think you you have to adapt a little bit um we've spoken previously on on different spaces uh, about principles of play when it's when it's come up as a as as a topic within something else and Yaz made a great point, we spoke about it at length, where um, you you have to have a certain amount of flexibility. You can't be totally wedded to your style of play because people will figure you out. And people, you know, sometimes you've got better players than the opposition, sometimes they've got better players than you. And sometimes other factors go against you. Uh, And if winning the game is important on that particular occasion, let's say, then you might have to adapt on the fly. So, yeah, you've got your framework, 100%, but do your players know how to adapt within that framework? And do you as a coach know how to adapt within that framework? Because I see a lot of coaches... Um, I've just been I've followed our WhatsApp group we didn't have a game this weekend but one of our coaches got beat quite heavily yesterday um, and and he's admitted to the parents in the WhatsApp group you know we were doing quite well up to a certain point and then I didn't know how to change it which is great you know it it shows that he doesn't know everything um, and he's prepared to to adapt uh, and hopefully learn going forward
1: So I think it's a fantastic point and I think just on that it just highlights the importance of coaches also being vulnerable and accepting they don't have all the answers and you know i think if they can start from that frame of mind they'll always be searching for more solutions so i think it's a great point to kind of just touch on there so really appreciate that uh paul good evening how are you mate
3: yeah i'm good thank you. you all good
1: very well thanks tell us what your thoughts what your insights that you can share with us man
3: yeah just just building really on what what the guys have been been saying tonight and just listening to the conversation i think it's been really interesting and i've just been scribbling a few things down as we've been going along in terms of you know my my sort of lens on it really and i suppose going back to the question in the comments i've just wrote down around sort of individual creativity decision making versus sort of development of principles and structure and, and and striking that balance so a couple of quotes that spring to mind that i heard um adibouroyd sort of used quite a good um analogy for how he wanted the team to have structure but didn't want to lose individual creativity so I I don't know if I've got this exactly right what he said when I heard him say this but he said about um, this is the dance floor he wants the players to dance how they want but they've got to stay on the dance floor which I thought was a quite nice analogy which basically was saying listen this is the structure of the team but I'm not taking away your individual creativity when you're in these areas of the pitch when we've got the ball in these positions you know you've got poetic license to do what you want but stay on the dance floor, which I thought was quite a nice analogy. It's always stuck with me. And then the other one was, probably people have heard this before, Dan Ashwood sort of, I've heard him say this when he was working for the FAs around, the only thing that should change is the size of the shirt. So it goes a little bit back to Gerard's point, and a bit back to my experience really at Sheffield United with the outrun, outfight, outplay mantra, where for both coaches and players, you had a structure and you had something almost to hang your hat on on a micro level, from a session-to-session session basis, but also in terms of planning for games, reviewing games with the players and with the staff. You've got that sort of, um, almost like that northern star to go back to all the time. We want to outrun, we want to outfight, and we want to outplay. And getting clarity over then, right, what is underneath the outplay. So then that's where, you know, your quick play, um, your near-near-next-far, which we call it there in terms of the out-possession stuff, your point-join-run elements came in. So that was almost like the, the subheadings below outplay, out, um, out outrun was around the physical competences of the players. So obviously that varied depending whether it was uh, foundation phase, YDP, PDP. You know, that would obviously alter depending on what we were chasing in terms of individual development, which was obviously at core of it. And then with the outfight stuff, that was sometimes misinterpreted. That's not about literally outfighting on the pitch and uh, out scrapping teams. It's It's much more around the communication of players you know, the, the psychological development, the, the, the brain development, which Sally Needham did a lot of work with the players around. So really digging into the detail of the coping mechanisms of players when they're under stress and under pressure, how can we broaden that um ability to cope with situations? So yeah, hopefully that's beneficial. But just building on all the points that have been made really, I think that having a structure um is important. But I agree with the comments as well. You you've got to still pull out that individual creativity and you know have a framework and i think it's also context that, you know are you working at academy level where you're trying to develop players for the long term so that they've got to be able to transition from one phase to another are you working at a grassroots setting where there's a little bit of a balance yes you want players to get better but ultimately you know my son plays grassroots i want him to go out and enjoy his football that's the primary purpose for him in my opinion um but i also want him to learn something from the game are you working in a first team environment where you might have to be a little bit more adaptable because there's a pressure or a little bit more of a pressure of getting results, but you still want to stick to a process. So I think context is important as well. But yeah, that's just some of my uh, my thoughts on on what's being said.
2: I love it. I think what you just said brilliant. And same with Tony. You know, I like the fact that, I mean, you, you mentioned Dan, you know, the only thing that changes is this, the size of the shirt, but the messages remain the same. I think that's where it comes back to, you know, in terms of this and where do we start? It's having that common language or that shared language, that, that vocab, so that the messages are consistent across the, the journey for the players. Obviously, we know there's a lot of things that change, like you alluded to, in, in terms of their brain development and the physical development, but it's just an easy thing to hang on to in terms of, of that. Like, can the messages remain the same, the consistency of that? So I I love it. I think uh, this has been really good and it's great just to see shared experiences across different environments, really. And I think no matter what level you're working at, if we can simplify for the players and create a platform where they can go and they can play, you know, because the game belongs to them, they, they find their own solutions and we're in a good space.
1: Anything from you, Yaz, to add on? No, I think this—it's been some really fantastic points made throughout. You know, both by yourself and, and the guys that have been involved, with Tony and Paul. So, I you know, really appreciate you guys getting involved. And I think, just just for me, really, you know, it's just great to see so many new faces. And you know, just a real um, pleasure to kind of you know keep these spaces going and seeing how many coaches are engaging with us. And, and on that note, you know, if if you are new to the space, please continue joining us. Um, make sure you're following us if you haven't already. Uh, both myself and George. Even the other people in the room, because you know we, we really are starting to build a, a real big community here of people that get together weekly to kind of just just get better at this thing that we do coaching, really. Um, but yeah, I'd probably that's you know probably the final points for me, and it's just maybe just a brief insight from you around how people can complete the post session reflection task and gain those CPD out the hours just uh, one more time over, really. Yeah, so again, great CPD opportunity.
2: Anyway, if, if you're using this to, to get an extra hour on your fan profile if you're connected with the FA, then I've just shared a, a link I've put this in the chat in connection to this space. So if you look at that if you click on the link it will give you an opportunity to fill in a, a short uh, Google questionnaire. So it's a, a small document and you just put make sure you make you add your fan number and it, and make sure it's accurate otherwise it won't get added onto your profile. Um, and then again, you've got three sort of types of reflection, really. So we, we, we use uh, triangle, circle, or square triangle. What are your three key takeaways? So something you can try even with your players circle is, you know, what's still swirling around, what you're not sure about. So you're spinning around square. Well, what squared off or made sense for you. So that's just a, a tool that we're using that, you know, triangle, circle, square, um, Again, there's no right or wrong answer. You know, you might just pick one. We've had people pick all three. We've had people put it in their own language, and that's okay. Um, Once you've completed the self-reflection question of the messages that you've took from this uh, session, then you're immediately eligible for one-hour CPD. And this is part of a series of events that we're doing, so you can listen back. Um, Yaz, you'll be able to confirm when the deadline is. Uh, They've got access of up to six hours CPD, as part of this series, which includes a two-hour webinar, which is starting in a couple of weeks. So if you missed the previous sessions and you want some extra hours or you just want to listen in, you can still listen to those. Um, and if you're using it for CPD, you have got a deadline to, to get those into us by. Um,
1: when's that, Yaz? Yeah, so the deadline for that is on the 15th of uh, December. Um, and obviously, as you touched on earlier, Jordan you know, guys, once you've done that, um, please bear with us. Obviously, the information gets sent across to uh, the necessary person and individual so it can take a a period of three to four weeks usually to kind of get those updated but just bear in mind over the Christmas period and whatnot that people may be going off an annual leave and whatnot over at different times so that might be slightly longer but I would say that if you haven't had those hours updated and uh, applied onto your accounts for any of the CPD stuff that you have done by the end of Jan um, please do get back in touch to kind of let us know and if you've missed any of the previous sessions, or even just caught half of this one, you can listen back to it. All the episodes, all the sessions are shared on the the Coaches Network podcast. Um, typically on the Wednesday Wednesday after the session, so this will be uploaded on Wednesday. Um, but in 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 other words in other cases, just you know, feel free to engage with us. Get us get get in touch with any questions, thoughts that you may have. Um, like I said, make sure you're following us, guys, because you know it's really important that we continue growing this community and you know just having that following. And seeing you guys engage with us, whether that be through jumping on the mic as Tony and Paul did today or whether it's just dropping a few questions or insights in the comments, um, it, it makes it all the, all the more worth it for us and um, just really keeps gives us the motivation to keep it going. So really appreciate everyone's contributions tonight, everyone participating, everyone just sitting in the room, just listening and thinking about some of the things that we're talking about. And if you have got any questions, feel free to fire away. Um, we'll give it a moment. I don't know if Gerald has any final thoughts you want to add. No, nothing from me. I think this is brilliant. Awesome. So, I mean, if anyone hasn't got any other questions or anything to share, I think it's a great time to wrap up. And again, just massive thank you and appreciation for everyone that has been involved. Um, Again, great to see so many new faces as well as those that have been coming back over the weeks. Um, But yeah, massively appreciate it. Have a great evening, everyone. And we'll be back next week um, for part four of the series. And then the following week on Tuesday, the 12th of December, where you can access the link in the comment section for the webinar on preparing for the UEFA B. Um, whether you've got a UEFA B, whether you haven't, um, definitely worth attending. And if you are based in, well, if you if you've got an FA uh, English FA fan account, you'll definitely get your CPD for all that too. Gerard, good evening, Tony. Good evening, Paul. Thank you again. Good evening, and everyone else. Take care, guys